Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you back to actually this is our final miracle in the miracle series and what a joy it has been to go through the miracles of Jesus. No one performed any more miracles than Jesus, and we've been looking at several of those. I wanna take this opportunity to welcome our McKinney campus that's streaming with us there, our Hazlitt campus, maybe somebody who joined us online or watching this message later. Would you put your hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us. If you haven't been able to be a part of the Miracle Series, maybe you're here and you're just our guest, you can go online and I went to Israel with the team and we went to the locations of miracles and we've been studying these miracles of Jesus and we're gonna go to a place and see a miracle this weekend that I believe is the most relatable out of all the miracles. You, you know, if you really look at the series, it's like there's, there's just moments where Jesus just lifts our faith. It's like he heals leprosy. He raises a daughter up from the dead. He raises Lazarus. He, he, he just does these things that you're just like, I, I know it's true and I wanna have my faith increase, but uh, a lot of times it's kinda hard to connect to and we've been trying to show what God's wanting to say to us. I promise you there's no one listening to me that can't relate to this week's miracle because it's one of Jesus' closest disciples. It's, it's not someone out in the crowd. It's not just a passerby person. It's not a random person. It's someone who walked with him, who saw him do amazing things, yet he failed. He failed, he ended up denying this one who he loved so much. Jesus told him it would happen. So the enemy's coming and he's coming to sift you. You're going to, oh, not me, not me. It's not gonna happen to me. It can't happen to me. Famous last words. We all in our head don't have a future look out into our lives that plans to fail, especially with God. We don't say, well, you know what I'm gonna do is in a couple of years I'm gonna blow my marriage up, blow my life up, blow my whole world around me, I mean, we don't look out and go, that's kind of what I'm planning on. We have a much more idealistic picture of where we're going. I think about one of my moments of failure, that's a story I love to tell, but about 15 years ago, um, I went with some folks from the church, we went snow skiing. I'd never snow skied, I didn't know much about it. My wife grew up in high school snow skiing, so she bought me a bougie outfit and uh, we got there and I'd never put on skis, didn't know what I was doing and uh, literally this happened. I got out there and like strapped in and there's two guys that were college students that were going to our church and they're like, come on pastor, come with us. You, I don't know what God does to people that do, that do this to their pastor but it's not good. They took me to the top, didn't know what I was doing. Now, let me give you the forward to the story though. The night before, a bunch of our friends are gathered around eating chili in the condo 
and there was a loft and I came down the stairs, I tried my outfit on and I came down just kind of like, guys, this is what it's gonna look like tomorrow. Shh. Each step, I showed them like a buttery move. That's what I had in my head. When I went to the top of that black, I fell. I fell over and over. I yard sailed. I lost my stuff. I was sweating. I was hot. I had a problem. You're supposed to lean down the mountain, but there was something in my head that says, there's scary stuff down there. So every time I leaned back, I would circle and spin and fall, and I fell, I'm not exaggerating, 50 or 60 times. It took me like an hour and a half to get somewhere near the bottom. And I got to the bottom, there's one slope, and I just thought, man, I gotta get down there. So I just like pointed it straight down, headed toward all the people in the little hot cocoa shack. But I didn't know how to stop, so I just jumped sideways, yard sale, there I was, laying out, just laying there, just eating snow. My wife, the proficient skier, with the snow bunny outfit on, came by me. Jeff, what are you doing? Huh? You're embarrassing me, get up. I'm like, embarrassing you? I'm on the threshold of hell right now. I don't care about embarrassment. I mean, what do you care? <laughs> and even though that's funny, it's so true in life. Like the night before, I was so good. But in real life, I was so, so bad. Why do we fail? Well, it's part of being human. It's part of the human existence. It's part of the fallenness of our world. And I began to think about you and I wanna give you a few things before we go to this miracle. Here's some reasons why that I see that it happens because some of you may be going, how did I get here? I can't tell you how many couples that I've counseled with that their marriage is in difficulty and you talk and they go, well, we don't know how we got here. We don't know how this happened. I, I don't know how I ended up addicted. I don't know how I ended up destroying my life. Well, there's a few reasons. First of all, we have good intentions with no wisdom. The Bible says when you're getting, get wisdom. The Bible gives you wisdom for life. We have some good intentions, and this is why these families, I'm talking about setting up the word, showing them how God has designed the world, because I even tell my kids this a lot, because you know they've got bullies and people, and everybody's trying to keep up with everybody else, and I'm like, guys, look, you're not even gonna talk to these people one day. You're all worried about their opinion of you. How many of you have gone back to your high school reunion? Just because you get older doesn't mean you get better. People are like, well, if I got older, I'd have, no, 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 you, you can get older and experience can be the teacher of fools. Just because you get older doesn't mean you're getting wiser, it just means you got older. You're like, are you still doing the same thing? Well, it's because there's no wisdom. The next reason we fail is emotional pressure. Be very careful if you feel driven. The Bible shows us that the Holy Spirit leads us, he doesn't drive us. And so we get so concerned, and I gotta do this, and I gotta do it now, and I get anxious, and we have emotional pressure, but there's also just willful disobedience. Paul says, I want to do this, but I did this. We have just, I'm going to choose it. I'm going to choose to do what's absolutely wrong, not understanding what the implications are of that. And then sometimes there's circumstances outside of our control. 
We live in a fallen world and sometimes there's just bad things and there's no why, there's no way to diagnose. It's just that sin is present and there's things and sometimes we hurt people but sometimes we're the ones that are hurt. For whatever reason you find yourself, but I'm talking specifically, and I've seen this as a pastor, people when they fail, that's a critical moment. You might think, oh, it was a critical moment before I failed. No, 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 it's even more critical after you fail. And so many people have a view of God that when you fail, he can't love me anymore. Uh, he can't come to me anymore. I, we are so performance oriented in our culture that we think, man, I just can't get there from here and there's somebody I'm speaking to this weekend, you are paralyzed, you are stuck. And this miracle, it shows us the heart of God. I love it, it's poetic, it's so, it shows us such a cool picture, and I've entitled this message, The Second Fire. You may have failed around one fire, but there's a second fire. Let's go to the Sea of Galilee and see Jesus and Peter. standing here on the banks of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus performed many miracles in and around this lake that's also called the sea. But I wanted to talk about a specific couple of miracles and moments that are deeply relational. They're miracles nonetheless, but they show the relational connection that Jesus had to some of those that were closest to him which draws us in to show us how much he wants to be close to us. The first time that Jesus interacts with some of the closest disciples is right here on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He comes to them in Luke 5, they're fishing, which shows you that Jesus meets us right where we are and he asks them a practical question on how their fishing is going. Of course, they have this posture Aren't you a rabbi or something? We know about fishing. He tells them to cast their net on the other side of the boat and there's this huge catch. And Peter, who ends up being one of his closest disciples is overwhelmed. And in fact, he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man and has this major moment. And it all culminates with Jesus saying to them, follow me. You know, really at a simple level, I think a lot of people get really confused about what it means to ultimately have a relationship with Jesus and they get up, get, get caught up a lot of times in all of the practicals, but really it's all summed up in those two words, follow me. Well, where are we going? Follow me. Well, what about this? What about that? And, and what's so amazing to me is these disciples followed him and, and they saw multiple miracles happen. Remember, these are people who saw firsthand accounts of the majority of Jesus's miracles, eyewitnesses. Yet what you see is that even in our own lives, a lot of times we think that if I saw it personally, then I would believe it, but the disciples show us otherwise. As you see, 
a totally different moment happened when all of this culminates in Jesus' last days. He's betrayed, he is taken from the Garden of Gethsemane, he's taken to Caiaphas' house and put in the dungeon and prison. And in those moments beforehand, he told Peter, the same one that he called on these shores, he said, you're gonna deny me three times. He says, no, no, Lord, there's no way I would. And yet ultimately around a fire, I saw something interesting in the story. It's not just that it's a fire. The fire illuminated the ability for people to recognize Peter and a servant girl and some others say, you were with him. And Peter, very important, three times says, no, I don't know him. No, I wasn't with him. He denies him three times, just like Jesus said that he would. You say, well, what is important also about this place is that he not only called them here, but after Jesus dies and he's resurrected, before he ascends to heaven, he finds them back here again. You say, why is that important? Because when we fail, when we're disappointed, we, we return back a lot of times to that which we know. So they just went back to fishing. And the miracle I wanna talk about is this second fire, the second moment, because Jesus comes back, because Jesus never stops pursuing. He comes back and finds them and same scene. How's the fishing going? Same words. Well, why don't you do this and, and cast the net on the other side? They immediately, as all of that interaction happens, it replays to the first moment where he called them. Peter jumps out of the boat, he runs to him. You're our savior and, and he gathers around a fire and he cooks some fish with them. And, and at the end of the day, the moment that I wanna draw out is the moment that's so personal that he has with Peter around this second fire because Peter had denied him, Peter had failed. And it's so encouraging to those of us who feel like I was once close to him, or I was once moving forward and then this happened or this disappointment or this failure. Let me read to you the words of Jesus after Peter's failure and what he says to him after three denials, he has three statements to meet Peter right where he is. I wanna read to you from John 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Then he said to him, follow me. I love the fact that Jesus never stops pursuing no matter what we do, no matter what failures we have. I've met so many people that feel like I'm damaged goods or I'm unworthy, but Jesus in this miracle with what he does with the fish, but more importantly, as he interacts with the disciples and especially Peter, he totally takes that equation out of play and shows us that he's more generous, more loving, more compassionate, and continues to pursue us. Notice Jesus doesn't say when he gets to Peter, hey, let's break down this denial. What were you thinking? What happened? He just says, do you love me? And then the second thing he does is he calls him to his purpose, which is what Jesus does with us. 
You know, the reason the love is important is it's not about when many people think Christianity is extracting wrong things, the truth is it's replacing desires with the right desire and that is the love you have for Jesus. Ultimately, the love you have for Jesus is what causes you to continue to take steps forward and follow, not following out of rote religious activity, but out of love and then your purpose. And I wanna encourage some of you to get back on track to the purpose God has called you just to take one step, not knowing all the details, just where Jesus ends it. Same statement as he had in the beginning. Do you love me? Well, do and walk in the purpose that I've called you to. And at the end of the day, don't overcomplicate it. Just follow me. Jesus wants to do the same thing for us as he did for Peter. This miracle is less about the miraculous catch of fish and more about what happened around the second fire with Peter. We can all relate to it because we all have failed. We've had missteps. We've hurt others. We find ourselves sometimes, and maybe someone I'm speaking to this weekend, you've found yourself in a desperate situation a place where I've got to understand how to come out of this place that I've gotten myself into. I'll give you a reason why I get passionate about this story in the Bible. It's not only in my own life where I have seen the grace of God and the love of God and how God keeps pursuing us, but it's also as a pastor. Why do I love to share this message? Why do I love to preach this message at the heart and essence of the gospel? Because let me give you a vantage point that I have after 30 years of working with people and being around people and, and seeing different situations. You know, you may have a friend or someone, but I have a vantage point of, of you know, last weekend shaking 200 and something hands of people that became part of our church. I have this vantage point, and, and here's what I find. I, I see people who maybe take some steps and get some traction, and, and maybe you give your life to Christ. Maybe, maybe, man, you just, you get all on fire and excited, and you start moving forward. Make no mistake, you can try to live your life without Jesus, but you're not going to be fulfilled. You can try. All of us start as dependents. Little, these little needy people. And you're like, I don't need God, I'm fine, I got it all. You can have money, fame, resources, good looks. You will ultimately one day end up as a needy person. And what happens in that moment is has a lot to do with your view of God. We, we all find ourselves, but I do find people who say, man, they take steps, they get, in, get connected to Jesus and they get excited and maybe they start serving and here's what a pastor's always saying, Lord, when the wheels come off, when they make a mistake, when they fall, when they fall flat on their face, when they fall down the mountain, it's in that moment that it's so critical. And I can't tell you how many people, it's like, man, this is amazing, this is exciting, man, Jesus is awesome, and he is but wait until you fail. Wait until you get offended. 
Wait until someone you look up to lets you down. Wait until that'll be the test of your faith. And a lot of times we're not so good at getting back up and that's why this story is so amazing because Jesus doesn't let Peter stay there. It's not about are you there, it's are you going to stay there. And here's the progression that I've seen. First of all, it's I failed and then it's I failed the people I love and then what the enemy wants to do is get you to the place where I am a failure. And man, that is such a dangerous place where you begin to identify yourself as, that's who I am. The party's really in hell anyway, and that's who I am. I do it my way, and if you can identify yourself that way, then what happens is you have the propensity to continue to destroy relationships and destroy your life because the enemy wants you to see yourself and see God that way. I can't measure up anyway. See, I failed is where the guilt comes in. That's where guilt starts to work on you, but I failed the people I love. That's where shame comes in. That's where you start feeling shame and I'm not worthy and this progression happened in Peter and I want us to apply this story for a minute. I want us to take it and go, oh man, that's an amazing story and that happened for Peter, but how do we apply this to our lives? Because the enemy came to speak to Peter. The enemy had a voice and Jesus had a voice. And the enemy wants to speak to you. Let's look at what he said and what happened here because I think we can relate. Number one, when you fail, the first thing the enemy says is run away. Go back to what you were doing. Can I tell you if the enemy can get you to identify yourself as that's who I am, you know what I've seen actually happen? You actually go back and do worse than what you did before you ever came. And, and I'm just gonna run away. I think it's so amazing that, that Peter goes back to fishing because man, that's so relatable. It's like, what do we do when we, we just go back to what we know. We go back to our old friends. We go back to our own things. We go back to absorbing ourselves in ourselves and we run away. I can't imagine, I would have loved to have seen the moment where there's Peter doing what he did. There's Jesus, man. Where did he come from? You know, I love this about Jesus. You can run, but you can't hide. You can't. It's like, man, he'll just, he'll just show up in your life. You know, he's like, I'm trying to run away right now. Next thing you know, you turn on the TV, someone's preaching. You get put in a cubicle by somebody that loves, can I pray for you? Oh my gosh, what's this? You get a birthday card and there's something about Jesus on it. Like, is Jesus everywhere? What's going on here? Then he doesn't play fair. He'll give you a kid that loves God. He's like, my kid became a Jesus person. And even their love for Jesus will mess with you because you want to keep fishing, but God's drawing you through your kid pulling you back, don't, don't go there, come on back. But what do we wanna do? We wanna run away. But I love this about Jesus. He comes to find us. He comes and pursues us. The other thing is this identity thing. You are a failure, that's what the enemy wants you to believe. You are this, that's who you are. You'll never be able to change from who you are. And that's not what Jesus says. He says to Peter, you failed. He knows that he failed, but that's not who you are. 
Can I tell you something I love about this story? When Jesus shows back up with Peter, I know how human beings are. We would have shown up to Peter and go, let's sit down and break down why you failed. Let, let's look at all the reasons. And you know, you were an idiot and you did this and you did this and you did this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Jesus doesn't cover any of that. He just says one thing. You still love me, Peter? If you love me, then I wanna get you back on track. Here, here's the big one though. You can't come back from this. There's somebody listening to me this weekend. I've already met three or four already this weekend. A gentleman with his, his, his two boys weeping before me, standing there with his two boys saying, you were talking to me. You were talking to me, tears in his eyes. I know you try to hide it. I know you try to disguise it. You try to act like I'm not running, but you are. And the enemy wants you to believe you can't come back from this. You can't make it back from here. That's where you are. You've made your bed, now you've gotta sleep in it. That's where you're at. And this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus shows us in this story, there's nothing that he can't redeem. There's nothing he can't redeem. There's no one too far, no one too off, nobody's had any kind of plate where he's, it's too much. He never says, I can't afford it. I can't pay that. I can't redeem that. He shows us in this story that he comes in most, the most desperate situations to redeem us. But I wanna end with this thought with you. I want us to really think about this. We've seen some amazing miracles in this whole miracle series. It's an amazing miracle that Jesus would come find Peter. It's an amazing miracle that he would set the stage. I love just the, the picture of him setting the stage so that there were all of these things where they were just seeing it through the lens of the way he originally called them. It's an amazing miracle and I believe there's somebody listening to me who's going, okay, Jeff, okay, okay, I know he can forgive me. Okay, I know, that, I know that he can overcome the fact that I'm a failure, I failed, or I've got that view of myself. I, I, I got you there, okay. He can do that, but, but he can't use me. I, I think the most amazing thing about this miracle is he not only comes to him, he not only finds him, he not only restores him, but he says, feed my sheep. He Put him back on track. I, I'm talking to somebody this weekend. You're like, well, I've, I've received some forgiveness. I've, I've received some restoration. Like, like, like okay, I, I've got some of that and I'm not, I'm not self-loathing and I'm not like beating myself up and I'm not in shame and I've got some freedom from that. I'm actually starting to feel a little bit more whole in my spirit, but he, he, he can't use me though. He, he can't actually like, I, I forfeited my purpose. I forfeited my purpose and what you will find is that if you'll give that to him too, he'll use all of that for his glory. So he puts us back on track to our purpose. It's amazing to me how not only does failure get us to separate from our, our Father who loves us, but it also gets us trapped from being who we're called to be as well. I, I just can't get to that place. I'll give you some bonus footage to the video. I'll give you some behind the scenes to the video. This was one of the first videos that I shot while I was in Israel, and 
I'm trying to get in the zone. I'm trying to get focused. It's actually quite an undertaking. There's wind blowing. There's boats behind me. There's something going on over here, and there's somebody's doing, you know, banging on something over there. And there's there's the you know tourist. I'll be shooting the video, you know, in different cultures, you know, they don't they don't have so they just walk through the shot, be like, hey, we'll take a picture of the bald guy too while we're here in Israel. I'm like, brother, I'm trying to shoot the video here. I mean, So I'm trying to get in the zone and in the corner of my eye, I, I see a, a lady, maybe, maybe 70 years old. She, she's coming closer. I thought maybe she lived in one of the houses. She's, she's coming a little closer and then while I'm sharing the heart of this message, she's leaning on a tree and she's listening to me. Amazing. I see that and I just kind of keep going and I'm sharing what you saw and then later in the trip, we were at some ruins of a city and getting ready to film. And as I was walking and they were telling me, come, come here and this, and we're moving along. And there's a lady, she goes, sir, sir, sir. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, I was listening to you a couple of days ago when you were talking about being restored to your purpose. This really happened. And I could tell that she has, so I just, I sat down there and just started talking with her. She was from Australia and I found out that she was a widow. She had lost her husband and she was in a challenging time. And of course that really um, made me have compassion for her. She kind of reminded me of my mom. So I, I, I took some time Side note, this isn't the message. Take some time sometimes. God's wanting to do something and we're so busy trying to get ahead of the line. And I sat down with her and I talked to her and she said, you know, I've really, after I lost my husband and I was, I, was, I know God has a plan to use me, but I just, I just kind of got stuck. I said, you know what I was talking about there was not just failure, it's the principle that God can not only redeem you, he can save you, he can forgive you, but wherever you're at, he can get you back on track to your purpose. And, and you know what I found? A lady from Australia, a bald preacher from Texas, there's people all over the world that are stuck that God wants to get back on to the purpose and plan he has for their lives. It's true. She actually emailed us. We mailed her the book and she's been watching. Her name's Jeanette. She may be watching this weekend. It actually happened. You know what's amazing about Peter there? Jesus didn't see him in his failure. He saw him not long after that preach the first message where the gospel was preached and people were cut to the heart and they said, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. And thousands of people came to know Christ. And then he was one of the instruments and catalysts for what we're a part of today. This same guy who was running away from Jesus. Later in his life, he would write things like this, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves. You may have never thought about this, but running from God and not receiving the love of God can be an expression of pride in your life to believe that God doesn't wanna do it in you. Humble yourselves, stay humble, stay in a posture where you understand if you'll humble yourself under God's mighty hand, he may lift you up in due time. 
I see it happen all the time. You may be there going, our marriage is over. My relationship with my child is over. My purpose is over. I have, I'm too far gone. You may believe that, but from my vantage point, I've seen Jesus do what he did with Peter over and over and over. We try to tell you the stories. The stories of God's reconciliation, God's restoration, God's power. If, if you just say, Lord, if you just kind of lean in his direction, he's already been running in your direction. He'll run to get involved in that situation. I heard one recently, Darren and Katie, challenging situation. If you're watching by video, Miss Ginger Guerra right here has been a part of our church since the school, and I was talking with her and Mr. Eddie the other day, and she... She got emotional. She said, Pastor, God has just been moving in people's lives recently. And we were just reminiscing and just talking about, she's like, I had this person and this person and this happened and God restored this person and this person got free from alcohol and this person got free from addiction and this marriage. And she was just all excited, you know? Because Jesus is still doing what he did in Peter's life. And she wanted to tell me these stories and one of them is the story of Darren his wife Katie and their marriage was blowing up and she, he actually had to move out of the house and the kids were affected and she wanted to come and talk about how just by them coming and getting under the word of God and going to restore on Monday nights and getting around people that love God and getting around the plan of God and getting around the word of God, how God had totally transformed their family and restored that marriage. He still does it today, he still does it today. So I'm gonna ask if you would to stand on your feet. I'm gonna ask no one to move around for just a moment. Jesus is still going to find people who have gone back to fishing. He's still building second fires, not just the first fire where you may have encountered him, but the second fire. And maybe there's somebody listening to me and just, just everyone just pause for a minute. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. We're closing the service, but just right where you are. You're not too far gone, you're not too far away. You may have even thought, well, I don't fit with that Jesus thing. He wants to come and move in your life. There's a fulfillment, a joy, a grace that you've never known. Just say, Jesus, I surrender. It's really the sum total of the word. I surrender, I stop running. I give you my heart, Jesus. I give you my life, Jesus. I give you my failures, I give you my victories. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. I accept you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I receive you today as my Jesus right now. Maybe someone at a campus, you're praying that. Someone online, someone in the room. I give you my life, Jesus. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer, he comes in to save you. I'm gonna ask you to let us know, to fill out one of those cards, tell someone at the end of the service, come forward, we wanna help you now in this journey. But I do believe this message was so strong on my heart this weekend, and maybe it's just for one person in the service, I don't know, maybe you're like this gentleman, you were talking to me. You're stuck, you're paralyzed. The enemy wants you to believe you are a failure, not you failed. Will you give him that? Will you give him that? Will you just say, Jesus, I give it all to you? I don't make my own deductions, my own calculations. Jesus is simply asking you, do you love me? 
If you will love me, that love will be such a powerful force in your life that you will feel a momentum pushing you forward that you can't produce on your own. Do you love me? Jesus, just say it to him, Jesus, I love you. I love you today, Jesus. I love you with everything that I know that I have to love you with, and I give it all to you. And Lord, I pray right now for someone listening to me that you use this weekend to break them out of a cycle of failure, offense, bitterness, hurt, marital challenges, Lord, they would start moving the opposite direction, not running away, but running to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.